Welcome, Bouncer Backers, to this week's episode of Bouncing Back Stronger, the podcast where we explore the incredible power of resilience, personal growth, and triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to embark on this transformative journey with you. Whether you're seeking inspiration, guidance, or simply reminded that you're not alone on your journey, Bouncing Back Stronger is here to support and empower you. We believe that every setback is an opportunity for a comeback, and every challenge is a chance for growth. Let's go. Welcome to Bouncing Back Stronger, our Christmas edition. So I hope you all had a very lovely Christmas and are now perhaps feeling really full from stuffing your faces with lots of delicious, scrumptious food and drink, no doubt. Uh, Maybe you're relaxing today, maybe you're back at work, but listen into this because I have the wonderful Natalie Bridge joining me today. I've been following Natalie for quite some time now, and we did meet, didn't we, Natalie, a while back doing our intro call, but we just didn't really get round to to meeting up until now. So I'm finally delighted that we have. So welcome, Natalie, (laughs) to the podcast. Natalie, tell us what you do. So I am, I suppose my kind of title, if you look on LinkedIn, it's behavior change specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, so effectively, I help people change behavior. That's a little bit like me. Helping. Yeah, like that's this. why I follow a little bit like me. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. 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 So I help people change behavior that is no longer serving them or make changes in their lives or their workplaces in order to achieve their goals, either more easily or to achieve their goals in the first place because they've been trying to achieve something and they've repeatedly run into the same problems over and over again. Like the the vicious cycle, really, the break in the cycle. Uh, You predominantly work with leaders, don't you? And parents? Yeah, leaders and parents. Yeah. So leaders within the workplace. Yeah. So with leaders, I mean, with parents and leaders, there's there's commonality. Parenting and leadership are actually very, very similar practices mm-hmm. because it's effectively trying to bring out the best in someone else and in the workplace, trying to get things done through other people. Yeah. So a lot of the skills you need to develop in both of those are the same. But on the other side of that, actually having your own mental and physical strength enough to step into those roles in the way you intend mm-hmm. is also a lot of the work that I do. So. It's a lot about kind of that really, really overused analogy of putting your own oxygen mask on first mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before helping others. So a lot of that, and there's an enormous amount of depth that goes into what that actually involves. And then on the sort of follow-up from that, particularly with leaders, then it becomes about, okay, well, we've got you sorted in your own resilience, your mindset, your motivation your skills. Now, what are the things you need to do in order to create an environment where other people can do the same? And then it becomes about sort of culture change, influencing skills, performance management, giving Mm -hmm. feedback, all of those sides of the kind of relationship management piece. So I do a lot of that in terms of training Mm -hmm. with leaders as well. There's more involved than you think. A lot. Yeah. 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 Now, you also are a podcaster and your podcast is called Big Happy Life. That's right. And you also 
is that kind of your umbrella? You have a website, Big Happy Life too. Because, and I follow your blogs, you know, that's what first kind of drew me into it, you know, the, the concept. Yeah. So, well, I, I had my first business. It was, well, actually Big Happy Life is a subsidiary of my first business, which was Cube Learning Solutions. Okay. And in Cube Learning, all I did was work with leaders. And I started that business in 2012. And it was all about habits and behaviors in the workplace for teams, really. So I worked with leaders, but it was always only really about kind of creating a culture and an environment in which other people do well. But that work led me to believe that I understood people's patterns and behaviors and so on. And then I adopted my children. My husband and I adopted our two children. Mm -hmm. That was in 2016. And I found myself so deeply overwhelmed by how difficult I found it, how much more difficult I found it than I was expecting and how awful I felt about myself as a person. Cause I was like, who can't be a mom? I mean, like mm. seriously, who can't be a mom? You, you have to be the world's most awful human if you can't step into that role. And that, that was the kind of the thing you're thinking in my head. Yeah. Mm. And it started me questioning all the stuff I'd been doing in the workplace. Cause then I was thinking, you know, I've been going out telling people about habit change and empathy and listening and blah, blah, blah. But I don't feel able to access my own skills in those areas mm. because I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so depressed and I feel horrible about myself. Mm -hmm. And so it sort of made me question a, a lot of what I'd been doing in the workplace, a lot of what I've been doing with clients and B, how you step into a role that really matters to you when you feel like you can't and you don't deserve it and something's wrong with you in some way. And so Big Happy Life was about, I, I started Big Happy Life really as a way to orient myself and orient myself towards like, I built the business, I've got the house, I've got the marriage, the money, the holidays, the family, like I built the life. Yeah. The, I was told, this is it. Do all of these things and you should be happy. Exactly. Mm. And I was like, but I'm not happy. So there's mm. clearly something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And so Big Happy Life was about how do you build the big life and experience it in a way that makes you feel like you're part of something, you contribute in some way, rather than you being pulled apart and ripped to shreds, you know, mm -hmm. thought by thought. And so Big Happy Life really was for me when it started. Mm -hmm. It was and my way of trying to about. dig my way out. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back a little bit. The adoption process, I'd imagine, was quite a long and drawn out process for you. Yeah, it was three years it took us. So in a sense, that must have been quite a, you know, quite a slog at that time as well, you know, to go through those peaks and troughs. Yeah, very much. So, I mean, people who, who listen to my podcast will know this, but because I battled an eating disorder for many, many years yeah. and I disclosed that during the adoption process. Right. Um, so did that go against you? Very much. So we were mm -hmm. delayed by a year because of that, because I, they then wanted me to have therapy and in some way kind of prove that I wasn't going to relapse. Yeah. Which you can't like. I mean, it's, it's a ludicrous idea in the first place, but that, that said, that was that part of the red tape that's ticking the box. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So 
I went through, we went through all of these trainings. I went through therapy. I had, you know, all the support, meetings with social workers, all of that stuff. And so, so that in itself, though, Natalie, is very, very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. You it know, was quite stressful. You had to perform. You had to do X, Y, and Z. You know, you had to almost be on your best behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And I think there's also like one of the things I've learned about myself is that one of my patterns is show the world what they want to see without showing them how broken you feel behind the scenes. Um, Well, that's even a big thing. I mean, that's a great topic, really, because that's a big thing, even perhaps with social media, you know, that you're seeing all of these great things on there. But really, where are they coming from? You know, is it reality? Yeah, exactly. And And I I, I really relate with you there because it literally is wearing the mask. So I've got my mask on. Hi, world. I present myself in this way because I feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. But really underneath or behind the closed door, I may be dying inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that is also something I'm really diligent about that in Big Happy Life. Mm-hmm. I tell people when I fall off the wagon. Mm-hmm. I tell people when I'm really battling. I tell people when I hit a depression that yeah. I'm struggling with. Because I think... There's so much information out there that makes us think that our progress is going to happen in a straight line. That, okay, now I've read this book, I'm taking action in this way and I'm improving myself in this way. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks into January or a month later, I fall. And now I think, oh God, the person who wrote this book never falls. The Mm -hmm. person I'm seeing on social media never falls. I must have something wrong with me. And the more I've spoken about the times I've fallen, the more people join the conversation and go, oh God, me too. Yes, me too. And it makes you realize it's kind of normal and the object of the exercise is to get back up. So, you know, with it being that Christmas and New Year, yeah, exactly. People are going to have New Year's resolutions and that's probably one of the big things that I would say is these things, it's more like the line you see for the stock market. That's Mm -hmm. what self-improvement looks like and any goal achievement looks like you'll have moments where it's just mm. you feel like you're flying and it's so easy and you're like yeah, and then something happens and you absolutely tank yeah. yeah but the tank isn't permanent either so now you can make the decision and you can get back up and you can keep going it's not game over it's just a dip I think one of the most important things to do is, well, first of all, just going back to what you said about, you know, this kind of idea of perfectionism. And I know that when I qualified as a therapist, I really honestly thought I have to be perfect. I'm a therapist now. I have to show the world of my perfection and because I'm helping others. And how could I be struggling in certain areas, you know, or if they come to bite me on the bum, say, I can't show that vulnerability. I have to be perfect. And I'll be honest, Natalie, it's taken me some time to really get to that vulnerability and to really start to understand that it's important that you're a human being and we relate more to people who can put their guard down and say, hey, I'm not that perfect. This happened, but this is what I did about it. So I think that's what's important. The ego is gone. You know, we let go of the ego and we actually then say, well, perhaps this is what went wrong for me. This is what I'm going to do now. Maybe it's a different direction. Maybe I do something, you know, differently. 
But it's all really in that reflection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think, I think the other side of that is a, a lot of the information that's out there does only talk about it afterwards as well. To go, yeah, yeah, it happened, but I'm through it. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes there's value in opening your mouth and saying what's going on while you're in the middle of it to be like, I don't have it together. I don't know what I'm doing. But that I struggle with the exact same thing that you spoke about there. And in fact, once I had started Big Happy Life, I went through far more lows for a while because then I was like, I'm supposed to be the expert. I don't have it together. Then none of this is real. It's all garbage because it clearly doesn't work. The word fraud keeps coming up to me. Like you're yes. just a fraud. You're just a fraud. Yeah. And you're putting this out there and yet, you know, you've just, you've just fell. Um, and th- that's why I keep saying it's kind of the idea that, okay, I, I have to, we're all unique and we're all different. That's, you know, so the methods that perhaps we do use with our clients can work and do work, but you just don't know what, what you know, the curveball that can come and how it can knock you, you know, knock you sideways. So it really is like saying to yourself, okay, what went wrong? What do I need to do? Mm. You know, um, exactly. and, and, and just changing it. And as you said, being honest, because then, you know, the clients you're working with, they, they may fail. They're probably going to, mm-hmm. but they can come to you then and say, oh, look, this has happened. How do I get myself back up? I just can't seem to get together. Just can't, you know, and then you can move forwards. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I also, like, I, I use this model, I created it based on, you know, all the years of my experience, my research, my training, and the sort of collection of other people's wisdom along with mm. my own. Mm. And it's a behavior change model, and I call it B set. And it's B equals C. So B is the behavior. What you end up doing is actually an outcome. It's mm. the product of the, what it, everything that exists in the set. Yeah. Set is your state, the environment and time. And that's the thing I think people misunderstand is let's say somebody has got a, a news resolution. They've decided they are going to lose weight or they're going to exercise more, eat more healthily, or they're going to be more patient with their kids or whatever. They've made mm-hmm. a decision. There will be times where you'll find whatever that goal is, you'll find it really easy because the state you're in is you're motivated, you've slept well, you're energized, you're feeling positive. All of that stuff is all in place. And you're like, okay, time to go for a run. Sure, I feel mm-hmm. like running. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a good time. Now take the day where you haven't had any sleep or your kid's been sick and, and now they're off, you know, they're off from school for the day. A variety of other things have happened. You're stressed. Your tummy's in knots. Now go out to the run. Mm-hmm. Now the decision feels different because the state you're in is different. So that's the first element. You're not always in the same state. So you look at the behavior as if it's a thing, but the behavior is an outcome. Yeah. Of state. Environment is everything that happens around you. So that's the way your boss spoke to you or your partner or your children, whether things are where you need them to be, whether you can find stuff. Mm-hmm. Whether like you're surrounded by clutter and it's stressing you out, all of those kinds of things play a part. And then time, time is a multifactored one. Mm-hmm. Uh, time is about where you are in time. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talk about being present here and now in the mm-hmm. moment, 
but sometimes your mind will bounce and you'll go into the future or into the past. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, you talk about the run and your mind might jump to how much pain you're going to experience and how awful it's going to be. Now you've left the moment where you're making the decision and your mind is somewhere in the future mm -hmm. making you live a painful experience. Mm -hmm. Or you rewind to last year when you made the same New Year's resolution and you failed four days in. Like, oh, what's the point? Because I'm never going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So again, you've, you've left now and you've gone somewhere else. And then what you've come back with is going to break you in this moment. It's going to break yeah. your decision. So then it becomes about the, the ability to hold yourself in the present moment, to make the decision based on now and to not allow the mind to jump into the past or the future. So that's I also know if I'm, if I'm stuck in the past, if I'm, if I'm ruminating about something that happened in the past, maybe I've had a little trigger or something. It can really knock me. So even for all the, you know, maybe everything is okay in perhaps my environment and, you know, so the S, the S was for state, but then the past comes in and it can stop me in my trap. And I do something similar to you, funny enough, but I use, maybe it's another jump forward than yours, which B-Set is wonderful. I might pinch that actually, Natalie. <laughs> But mine is like TFOB I use, and it's more thoughts, feelings, observation, behavior. Mm. So the thoughts come in, you know. So maybe mine's in that pause of perhaps where we've had yours be set, and then maybe mine will come in and say, well, okay, what thoughts going on right now? You know, what can I do about them? Can I change them? You know, is it affecting me right now? You know, that, that's then in your observation, yeah. what's around me and your feeling. Where is it in my body? You know, can I take some deep breaths? You know, can I maybe change my exercise today? Perhaps it's not a run. Maybe I need, maybe it's just going for a walk outside. So all of that then influences the behavior. And perhaps if none of that is maybe really thought through, the behavior could be something perhaps, you know, that you wanted to avoid. You know, you put these things in place because you don't want to self-sabotage. You want to break that cycle as it were. Yeah. But that's a wonderful acronym as well. Thanks. And, and yeah. PFOB is great because it, it sort of drills you down into something you can use, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then the other part of time, and this is where it's really, really vital. Mm. Time, and it sort of complicates BSET because actually BSET is the set in brackets with another T. So okay. everything multiplied by time. Okay. And what that basically does is think about the way habits begin to embed mm -hmm. is they embed by repetition. Yeah. So I imagine it a bit like pastry, like folding in the mm. butter into mm. flaky pastry and laminating the, the layers. Yeah. And every tiny little decision you take sort of folds in over time mm -hmm. and multiplies to become who you believe you are. Yeah, because it's like the layers and the more they, they're just layering up, layering up, layering up, layering up. Yes, yes. Mm. So one of the things that I teach my clients, and this really comes from work of people like James Clear, BJ Fogg, yeah. Tiny Habits, Atomic Habits, those kinds of things, where you want to decrease the barrier to entry or decrease the friction. And so like you said, maybe you don't want to walk, maybe you don't want to run today, maybe you want to walk. Or maybe you're just going to say, all I'm going to do is go out for one minute, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to miss it. Because what that allows you to do is over time, you keep folding in the behavior. Today it existed. Today I did it. If it's, you know, healthy eating, maybe, maybe you did eat a biscuit. Maybe you ate 10 biscuits. 
But then you sat down and you made a healthy dinner. We can't undo the 10 biscuits. That has been folded in as well. But if you then have the 10 biscuits and then go, okay, well, I've ruined today. So now I'm going to have pizza for dinner. Yeah. Now you fold in two things. Ultimately, every time you fold, you are adding to the story of who you are and what you're capable of. And that's fantastic, especially with the work I do with, say, binge eating or binge drinking or binge scrolling, whatever it is that you're binging on in that time. A lot of us then can go, well, I've binged now. So I've had those 10 biscuits now and I've totally binged, so I may as well just carry on. And what you're saying there is, no, we'll interrupt that pattern. We know that we've done that. We're not going to beat ourselves up. We're going to put down that stick and we're going to say, okay, this happened. I can't go back to it. Maybe be a little bit curious as to why it happened. But then you could say, well, I'm not going to carry that on. I'm going to balance, balance it out mm-hmm. and have your, you know, maybe have then something healthier or do yeah. a little bit of activity or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And often, because for a lot of us, the behaviors, the binge behaviors are often stress coping strategies. Mm-hmm. Emotional, you know, yeah. linked to your emotions. Exactly. Now, if you start beating yourself with a stick, it's pretty stressful. And then what does that do? It just perpetuates the cycle. Yeah, exactly. And this is also important right now, especially for those of us who set, who are setting or thinking about the new year, thinking about who they're going to be, what they're going to do, what they're going to look like. That I think, I don't know the statistics. Do you, you know, how how many, what's the percentage of people who set a New Year's resolution and then maybe after the two weeks into January, they kind of tail off. Yeah, it's high. I don't know them off the top of my head because I haven't looked at them recently. No, but it's it's quite it is quite high. The the majority of people don't tend to stick to New Year's resolutions, but I think that has more to do with the fact that most of us make them knowing we're not going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably one of the keys. And also, or they're also too like they're unobtainable. So I'm going to get fit, and I'm, for example, and I'm going to go to the gym five nights a week, mm. you know, or I'm going to, you know, go on a diet, and maybe that diet's very restrictive, you know, things like that. So you're already in a way setting yourself up to fail. Yes. Yeah. And also, I think people people go into New Year's with this mentality of right, this time it's going to be different. But you aren't a different person. You don't wake up on the 1st of January with a new personality <laughs> and, and no limiting beliefs. Yeah. You, you're carrying everything you held in 2023, you will still be carrying in 2024. Mm-hmm. So people often set goals based on what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And what's a, a, certainly an easier place to start from is to start where you are and go, okay, me who hates exercising who really just wants to sit on the sofa watching Netflix and eating mm-hmm. Maltesers mm-hmm. and who would love to open a bottle of wine and probably finish the whole thing most nights. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to do. <laughs> that is my starting point. Yeah. Okay. So start from there and fold every day, fold mm. something else that allows you to move towards the person you'd like to be. And well, it's all in the small changes. Yeah. Okay. You know, not to go out on the first day making all of those great big changes, taking everything out of your cupboards, you know, it's the small ones. And James Clear says the same atomic habits, you know. I love the fact that he says, you know, if you do five minutes of exercise, for example, a day over the year, it's added up to whatever. But actually that is so much better than nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very powerful. 
It really is. And, you know, I had a, a session earlier this week where I was working with business owners and we were talking about, for a lot of them, they have books they want to write. Yeah. And that was an example we talked about with regards to behavior change, because mm. a lot of them have been sitting on that book idea for more than five years. Me. And <laughs> yeah. And, and what, I, what I said to them was, now imagine you're going to start and you're going to commit. The, the, the baseline commitment never changes. All you yeah. commit to each day is five minutes, but you don't yeah. miss it. You sit down for five minutes. And I said to them, now, if you had at the start of 2023 committed to five minutes a day, mm-hmm. how much closer to a finished book would you be today mm-hmm. than by having started 2023 with the commitment to write that thing in a month and be done? And now it's 2024 or nearly, and we're nowhere with it. Like it's not done because it was so big. You, the barrier to entry was too high and you didn't do it. Well, that's where we procrastinate, isn't it? Because if it's too, we've created this picture in our mind. I've got to write a book. It's got to be 30,000 words. I'm working a full, you know, a really busy and work. I'm, I don't know when I'm going to fit it in. I've got to do X, Y, Z. I won't do it all. It's too much. Break yeah. it down. And that's great, actually. I've only really applied it to other things. I've never really applied it to the book writing. But yeah, take five minutes. I also just want to go back to when you were talking about time before. I was with my own coach the other day and we were were talking about time and, you know, we'll, we'll say we're busy or, you know, things don't get perhaps done. But we were talking then and he introduced me to this more replace time more so with energy. So looking really at, I thought this was fascinating and now started to do it in my own schedule. So for example, my energy levels are really high in the morning. I'm an early bird, love getting up early. Um, you, you know, you name it, I've done it, I'm on it. Da, 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 da. You ask me to perhaps even do a podcast or write a book, you know, start a book or maybe do, you know, writing a program or whatever it is. If you ask me to do that in the evening, say come six, seven, eight o'clock, not a chance. My energy levels are right down. So I guess as well, looking at the time concept, also thinking at when are you perhaps most likely to do that activity? There's no point, for example, me putting in a hit class for seven o'clock in the evening. I won't do it. Mm-mm. No, I'm exactly the same. Exactly mm. the same. So I put that under the heading of state. Uh, yeah. Okay. When you, and I look at it as the energy you bring and also the energy the source of energy. So the level of energy you have that you can commit to the task, that's yeah. one part. But then the other part is the energy that's powering the choice in the first place. So what I talk about there very often is related to, it actually relates to the things that you folded in mm. over time. Mm. So, you know, like if, if I take my, I spent years, I went on my first diet when I was 11 years old. I carried that on, you know, repeatedly. And over the time I was just folding in this, you know, I have no discipline, I'm weak. I have no willpower, la, 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 la. I had all these stories in my head. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was the energy that was powering the choice to eat healthily Mm -hmm. was energy that came from, you're not good enough, Mm. you're fat, you're ugly, do something about it. You had all this negative talk just coming at you all day, every day. Absolutely. And so when I was powered enough, when I felt bad enough about myself, Mm -hmm. I was motivated enough to do something about it. And then I was strict and vigilant Mm -hmm. with exercise, with food, with everything. But then 
I would start to get results. Then I'd look in the mirror and I'd think, oh, you look quite nice. Mm. But now my motivation's gone because my energy for the motivation was being powered from self-judgment, negative feelings. And now the negative feelings are gone. I was like, oh, I don't really feel like doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it would start again. So that's the other part. You know, when you talk about energy, it is the amount of energy you have, Mm -hmm. but it's also the the feeling behind the energy, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. that powers whether or not you can stay motivated to keep going. I used to do it with clients, for example, you know, oh, it's okay. I've got these clients this week. That's fine. I don't need to really, you know, can take a seat back. The energy, the energy, the feeling behind the energy had disappeared. So, you know, we can use that for so many things. And that's where we need to say, oh, really? And question ourselves. Really? You know, can I ask you, Natalie, 11 years old, of course, you know, that's when you started to really, you know, really restrict yourself and your diet and and things like that. Um, How did you, how did you overcome? Because... It's a difficult one, isn't it, eating disorders? Because we need food. It's not like, oh, oh, you know, you you rely on drink, you depend on drink, just give it up. You know, I know it's hot, you know, it's more difficult than that. But this is something that is ingrained in our culture. It's social, it keeps you alive. And of course, you had years and years of these limiting beliefs and this negative self-talk, and you saw yourself in a certain way. How did you manage to get past it? And as you said, it's still always going to be within you. But how do you how did you manage it then? How do you manage it now? Mm. The thing, the thing I think I've discovered. I actually recorded a podcast about this, and I was writing about it on my blog a couple of weeks back. Okay, um, I recorded a podcast about it back in 2018. Okay, we'll first, go back. <laughs> yeah, that was when it first hit me. I was doing this. I discovered the work of this man called Wim Hof. Oh um, yeah, we love Wim and. So I started doing the Wim Hof breathing and having cold showers. Mm-hmm. And I started on the 9th of December, 2018. Wow. And what I discovered through the breath work, because it's a sort of hyperventilation, you breathe in very deeply mm-hmm. and then you breathe out about 75% and you breathe in again. And it's a continuous breath. It's quite exhausting. It hurts your ribs, mm-hmm. breathing into your tummy and what I discovered when I was doing that, and then once you've done the 30 breaths, you hold your breath for as long as you can. I found that my choices the night before, whether or not I'd had any alcohol, what I'd eaten, all of those things mm-hmm. made a difference to what it felt like to do the breathing. And that was the first time it occurred to me that until that point, I had been entirely disconnected from my body. Yeah. I was almost, it was like, I hated my body so much that I lived in spite of it. Wow. And what, what that practice showed me was the connection between the conscious mind, the unconscious mind and the body mm. and the fact that my body had been communicating with me the whole time mm. and that I had just been like, shut up, I hate you, um, which meant I couldn't really intuitively nourish myself. So that, it was 2018 and it was that practice that started me on this journey of going, my body's telling me all the time whether or not I'm making good choices. Yeah. Because whether I wake up feeling like I can actually get out of bed, whether I have enough energy to get through the day, whether or not I'm in pain or I feel bloated or my mood is going all over the place. These are all symptoms of your body saying, 
yes, you've helped me or no, you've made things worse. Please make different choices. And so I started listening to that. And then my choices nutritionally became much more about the desire to just feel better living in my body. Mm. And, you know, having that moment where you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, yes, I can bounce out of bed. I do feel good. <laughs> um, being able to go, you know, oh, this thing has just popped up and I have to deal with it. And my yeah. head feeling clear enough for me to focus and think and do that. Those were the things that then started to power my choices behind food. Yeah. And that has made the difference. Not to say for a moment, please <laughs> don't assume that it's a straight line for me either. Mm-hmm. Um that was 2018. We're nearly in 2024 now. I still have moments where I disconnect. I still have moments where I go into that state and I'm like, oh, everything's too much and open a bag of Maltese. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I really connect with you, Natalie, because I think both of us have gone into work because of obviously our experiences, our past experiences. And mine was binge drinking related to alcohol, sorry, related to my emotions. So once I perhaps Either I was going at, you know, full throttle, boom, hit the brick wall, burnout. My go-to, if we go back to the the pastry layers, you know, in those layers there, my go-to was let's just go and drink and I'll just, I can relax. I can get out. I can escape. I can escape. Mine maybe was my thoughts, but yes, very much. I wasn't listening. I wasn't connected to my body. I wasn't listening to my chest tightening or perhaps I was just feeling really lethargic or tired. It's just power, power, power. And now I I cope much better by thinking about my outcomes, you know, so also, and also listening to myself more as well, as you've just said, so, Sarah, what's going on? You know, you're feeling a certain way, you know, this feeling, you know, whoa, what can you do to take a step back? Because the outcome that I don't want is that one, you know, I don't want to go back there. However, you're right. It's not perfect. It's not linear. There are peaks and troughs. I get being honest with yourself and and working with yourself and preparing. You know, if I know maybe I'm going to have a busy weekend, then I think, well, where can I give myself a little bit of downtime? Maybe, you know, where can I, or, you know, with my journaling, really write how I'm really feeling in my journaling. Maybe I need to step up a little bit of breath work. I love breath work because for me, Breath work has been really big in that sense of connecting to my body. With movement as well, I do enjoy moving with my body and breath. I still probably find just sitting still and meditating not really my thing. Mm. I I prefer a really good breath exercise, maybe a bit of yoga nidra, you know, something like that, where you feel really connected to yourself and that nourishment and I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's also a practice. There was a man, I haven't actually published the episode, but I spoke mm. to a man who does active meditation or active mindfulness. Okay. And uh, when I spoke to him at the time of speaking to him, he was going to be, he was doing a 900 mile run over a period of time. And he had started it because he couldn't sit down and meditate. Mm. At what he had found was that running really was the only place his mind would quiet. Like a trance, because I yeah. love running. It's like a trance. And once you go into that trance, mm. it is amazing. You feel like you're flying. Yeah, yeah. And so he teaches people to find the thing that they can do that allows the mind to quiet, mm. even if it is, it might not be running, it might be something else, mm. but 
he said it was because he was doing this run and he had gone, he'd gone into, I can't remember exactly where he was, but there were lots of snakes. And so his focus was on the ground the entire time because he had to constantly watch the ground in case he, his path was crossed by a snake. Mm. And his focus was so deep and so intense when he arrived at the destination for that evening. It was the first time he registered how time had passed and how quiet everything else was. Mm. A friend of mine actually said she, for her, it's cold water swimming because the water now, I mean, we have a pool in the backyard, very weirdly unheated pool in the UK. It's a very strange thing, but I don't know. I mean, it's better than having a wheelie bin full of ice cold water, isn't it? Because that's well, a bit of a yeah, crazy now. It's more comfortable than it would have been yet. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, do you use that often? Do do you use that daily? Yeah, your carpool. Mm. Yeah. So it's eight degrees at the moment, and it it physically hurts when you get in. Oh, but I just I just can't go. I mean, you know, I'm I'm very very nesh, Natalie, and I've read all the benefits of cold water, and I can see it. And as your friend said though, and I've I've heard others say the same because as soon as they get into the ice cold, it's you know, it's a gasp for breath and, and it's a pattern interrupter. Yeah. A big one, a powerful one. I've, I've maybe turned the shower too cold, mm-hmm. but it's never, you know, it's never probably for longer than 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Build it up. But, uh, you know, small, small stats. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. I mean, if I showed you, I actually, I, I kept a video diary from the 9th of December 2018 for 30 days. A wonderful uh, when idea. When I first started doing it. And honestly, the video of the first day is hilarious. I come out of the shower and I pressed record. And obviously it's just, you know, head and shoulders. <laughs> and I'm like, bim, bim. how oh, long did bim. you go in for then on your first day? Oh, 15 seconds, 20? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's me. I'm still there. Yeah. yeah. Even my son. It's, it's interesting now, I think, what's trickling down into education about our mental health and the, the tools that we can do. He's, he's six. But he has come home from school and spoke to me about, you know, oh, I don't know whether he's actually seen it, maybe he's seen it on the on the iPad, but he will say, cold water's good for you, mummy, isn't it? You know, so here's a generation that will probably just be doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my son came home and he was talking about, what's it called? Cosmic Kids Yoga. They were doing that back that's in the That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yoga, mindfulness, meditation. Yeah. All those different things. It's great. Even, think, we, really, it, it is really good because, like, yeah, my son will do the same. He'll come home and it's called like the. We'll do the flower breath. So a breath in, and then with their arms they make the flower, and then they breathe out just like that. And it's wonderful to to see, and and it's a great way for. Well, it helps us as well because to manage his emotions, if he's getting upset about something, we will say first of all, let's take a big deep breath. Mm. let's let's just ground ourselves you know so he will and it is amazing instantly calm down yeah yeah it is really cool although something that I learned a couple of years ago now because when people used to say to me take a deep breath (laughs) I'd do that so Mm. I'd breathe into my chest my shoulders would come up maybe let's and only a couple of years ago, I was watching something I think it was it was a lady I can't remember her name now she's written a book called um energized oh it'll come back to me uh, the book but she was saying that breathing into the top of your chest actually continues to activate your stress response and so when we tell people to take a deep breath depending on how they do the breath it can keep them 
more stressed. It can make them more stressed, keep them stressed. Well, if you do that, it's almost like you're gasping for breath. <laughs> Panting. Yeah. But even so, you can you can take what feels like a deep breath mm. without it actually arriving in your tummy. Like it has to arrive in your tummy and your shoulders stay still. Mm-hmm. So it's in the diaphragm, just yes. right down yes. there, isn't it? You know, and I often say to clients, just stick that belly out. <laughs> we yes. quite often as women may be holding it in. Stick it out, you know, really get down to the bottom of that breath. Mm. And I quite often like to do also a lion sigh, you know, where actually when you're breathing out, it's almost like a release of energy, a release of everything. And children love that. It's quite fun. Yeah. 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 So all of those things make a big difference. And I think that's, that's the key is with any of these goals, if you connect to your body, and you allow it to tell you what's going on. Our emotions are signals. Mm-hmm. Our motivation level is a signal. Mm-hmm. Pay the body is a signal. Mood. All of these things. And if we pay attention to them, we can adapt how we engage in the behaviors we're choosing mm. to manage looking after ourselves. I kind of, since becoming a heart healing practitioner and learning more about the connection between who we are as adults and the coping strategies we learned as children and the beliefs we learned as children. The more I think about myself as almost two people of the little kid and me and how often my choices when they're about to lead me off course are being driven by a version of me who's probably more like six-year-old me or five-year-old. Your inner child. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been doing some heart healing too. And the idea of that you are through the healing process, you are comforting your inner child. Your inner child can get quite frustrated, can get quite impatient, could quite often then lead you down that path. Yeah, completely agree. In a way, maybe slightly rebellious maybe just a bit fed up maybe they just want to be heard they're not Mm. being heard at the moment so again it goes back to that connection exactly exactly it's like you know I think about it as the way I would parent my son of Mm -hmm. being like when he doesn't want to do something me yelling and screaming at him to do it or telling him why he's awful and useless and pathetic like I wouldn't because a it's awful and b it's not going to lead him in the direction I want him to go. Like It's a terrible strategy, but it's the one we use to parent ourselves. Yeah. So it's if we start kind of looking after ourselves and managing our behavior the way we would a frightened kid, the chances of us A, calming down Mm -hmm. and B, doing the thing that we feel we want to commit to increase exponentially. And then on the days where we just don't feel able, either we have a baseline commitment of five minutes or one minute or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that we then, we allow that to fold in. So today we did, we folded something in that's positive, Mm -hmm. that leads us in the direction. That's great. And on the days where we just, it's not even going to happen, like not even the five minutes, Mm -hmm then there's a nourishment and a care and a almost like taking your own hand and being like, it's okay, it's okay. The way you would for a kid who's just can't, they just can't. And you're like, I've got you. It's just a day. Don't worry about it. And you're safe. Yes, exactly. And then from there, the chances of you getting back up again go up exponentially. And the chances of you getting up faster 
also go up exponentially. But if when you're down, you're also punching yourself, you're going to stay down a lot longer. And that's been my experience anyway. It, it comes back to, again, maybe overused, but you know, the idea of, you know, your own self-care, your own compassion towards yourself, your own kindness to yourself. And I overuse this so many times with clients, but, you know, be your own best friend, be your own coach. What do you need in this moment now that's going to be kind and compassionate to you? If that means just sitting for a moment, just sitting with yourself calmly, giving yourself some love and, yeah, you know, kind of reducing and bringing that parasympathetic nervous system just into some kind of calmness, Mm. then you will, you know, you will, like then the the outcome will be better because Mm. you've just demonstrated some kindness to you. Yeah. Which is a practice. Yeah, definitely. Especially if we've been beating ourselves up for years. Yeah. One thing that I would caution though on that, because I got that wrong so often Mm. and in so many ways, Mm. because that was a little bit of how food became an issue for me and later how how alcohol became an issue because then I started drinking to kind of quiet my mind about the food. Swat um, one, yeah, as we do. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing, like if, if you said to me, right, you know, if I reached the point where I felt burnt out and just I couldn't manage, mm. my idea of self-care was I would give myself a day on the sofa mm. and I would say, don't worry about what you eat. It doesn't matter. Just mm-hmm. let it go. Mm-hmm. That is different than taking your own hand and really nourishing yourself mm. because ultimately what that's doing is it's taking you around the difficult emotion, not through it. Oh, yeah. That's what I, I mean. That, that's mm. what I would do, you know, to sit in with yourself, yes. you know, sitting with those difficult emotions. And that is hard to do. Mm. It, it's, again, especially if you've been beating yourself up for so long, but thinking all the time through that, you are safe. This is temporary. This mm. will pass, you know, yeah. kind of avoiding it or using avoidance techniques. So I'll just do this. Well, you're going to carry that cycle on because you're not really facing. And that's what you've been doing for years anyway. Yeah, You've exactly. not been facing that obstacle head on. You've been terrified of it. You've been running away. Your fight and flight comes in. It is really about really connecting with your mind, your body, your soul. And yeah. A little you. That's absolutely, absolutely. And I guess, that, and that's the only reason I raise it because when you say it, I understand it now. But mm. when I had heard it before I understood mm. it, my version of self care was actually also still self sabotage. Mm. I just didn't know. Yeah. So yeah. Things ultimately that put you in a, a state that reconnects you with your body, mm-hmm. reconnects you with the part of you that does feel resourceful, that does feel capable, safe strong, all of those things or whatever the words are that really, when when you're in that state, you're like, okay, I can do this. The behaviors that you choose for self-care are the behaviors that will reconnect you with that um, in whatever guise that is. So like, and that's the part that I misunderstood. So I didn't realize that I was trying to, I was trying to reconnect with that. Mm. I thought I was just trying to disengage from the things that I was finding stressful. And those are not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important when you say things like to, if you're going through those moments, for example, perhaps take yourself off into nature, you know, take yourself for a quick walk. We'll have five minutes outside, you know, they're not there 
they're not there for me to say that's because we're going to ignore that thought or avoid it. That's because you're going to do something that will help you through that thought, not go the other way. Does that make, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, practices you've mentioned like journaling, that's really helpful. And you said about meditation or some kind of silence. A lot of people don't love that. Breath work, really the movement. Yes, breath work. Yeah. yeah. All things like that. Get, getting outside. I actually recommend to clients to just write a list when their state is in fairly positive mode. Write a list. It's called the joy list. And they just write everything that brings them joy. Because I also find, and I've been there myself, that if I'm really, really low and someone may say, well, just do something that, you know, brings you joy. Sometimes I can't think of one thing in that moment that could bring bring me joy. (laughs) But maybe if I pick up my list, which I have done, I've looked on my list and thought, I think maybe I can manage that one. (laughs) So uh, that's quite, you know, that's quite a good idea as well. That's been really, really helpful to people. So Natalie, what Mm. things are on your list? What things do you do perhaps on a daily basis that help you to manage your, you know, behaviours? So, well, I, oh gosh, I don't even remember now how long ago it was. Might have been 2014, 2015, something like that. I read a book called Miracle Mornings by Hal Elrod. Ah, yes, yes. And that was a game changer for me. My morning has been in place in some guise every day since then, with the exception of the period where the world fell out from under me just post-adoption. Then I Mm. just, you know, it it was all I could do to get out of my bed. Yeah. But aside from that period of time, I practice some version of the savers. He calls them the savers. So there's silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing because he couldn't get the W to work. So (laughs) I think it's scribing. So I do some version of those. The two that never really go away that are always there are exercise and silence. So I meditate. I um, did a course for to learn transcendental meditation, which you're meant to do 20 minutes a day, twice a day, but I do 20 minutes once a day in the morning. And somebody said it, I can't remember where I heard it, but I loved the idea where they said, it's too late to start sewing the parachute after you've jumped out of the plane. And that meditation is about learning the practice of quieting the mind mm-hmm. at a point when you're still in the plane. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people think, oh, I can't, I can't meditate because my, my mind is constantly jumping. But that, that's why it's called practice, because that's the whole point, is the art of allowing it to jump. Your mind jumps and then you're like, okay, bring my attention back to my breath quiet the mind back down, go back to the mantra in, in transcendental meditation, you have a mantra. So I'll notice, you know, I've started thinking about, oh, I've got to send this to this person. I've got to answer that email. I've got to do this, that, and the next mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Back to the mantra mm-hmm. and again and again and again. But it means that when I, you know, open the dishwasher and find that my family has thrown all the dishes in and I have to repack the thing, I am perfectly capable of letting that thought go and the irritation go. Mm. Where prior to the meditation, that was enough to be a hook. That mm-hmm. from there I would ratchet upwards into stress. Yeah. So then the, when the moments arise where you need to be able to disconnect from the thought that's about to take you down a road you don't particularly want to go down, 
having practiced every day of going, let it go, let it go. Yeah. yeah. And back and back and back. Yeah. So that's one for me, the, the meditation exercise. I have a baseline commitment to five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. I don't miss it. I broke my foot a couple of years ago. I still didn't miss my exercise. I just went <laughs> onto YouTube and found exercises when you've got a broken foot. And I, I did exactly the same. I broke my foot in December. No, when did I break my foot? May actually, quite recent. And I was the same. What can I do? That's maybe just, I'll just work on my upper body then. You know, yeah. that's, yeah, it's exactly the same. Exercise is also my non-negotiable. Yeah. Whatever it is, even if it's just a, a walk to go and get my son from school, that I think, okay, that's my exercise for today. That's yeah. fine. I've done something. I've done some movement. You know, Perfect. I think maybe yes. movement is, is perhaps the better word for me. Even sometimes you are feeling tired, especially for us women, you know, kind of getting older and we have our cycles and perimenopause and menopause. There will be days when our energy levels are low. So perhaps mm. sometimes I just like to get out of bed and do a stretch, you mm-hmm. know, something along those lines. Maybe Definitely. stay in bed and do a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are you try of that dude that you can't. Yeah, so it's up your mind, doesn't it, for the day then and, you know, perhaps gives you the best chance of having a good day. Yes, absolutely. And so those ones, now cold water for mm-hmm. most days is in. I hate it. I honestly hate it. it. It looms over me on the days where I have to do it. But again, I keep it to the baseline commitment of as long as I get in the water, yeah, make the other side of the pool and back again, yeah, pool's only six meters. Make it to the other side and back again. If I choose at that moment to get out, I've met the commitment. It's wonderful. And that's it. But I generally find once I've made it there and back, I can go a little bit longer. And if I do go a little bit longer, I connect with this part of me that's like, yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I'm like, whatever the world is going to throw at me today, I got in a pool that is freezing and nobody that I know in person is willing to do the same thing. Yeah. Connects me. That's what I mean about connecting with that part of you. Yeah. That's going to have to handle all the stuff that's going to get thrown at you. When you have her on your side, it's, it's like, like the, 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 them on your side. It's like the guy you interviewed, you know, to like, if I'm like, it reminds me of that if I've done a really, really good run and I've, I know I've really got into that and, and I'm at the end and I'm like, oh yes, Lesbian and Dimmy, you know, that elation that I would not have got an hour ago, just sitting in my bed. Yeah, exactly. It does take you to another place, doesn't it? It's so important for your mental health, your, you know, your mindset, just that. And also that empowerment. I, yes. you know, for you to do that up and down your pool and to really have got into it, that achievement, that sense of achievement that you've got, yeah. again, probably connects you in a child, actually, because we like rewards when we're younger. We like, you know, the, the praise. We like to have done something well. Absolutely. So in a good way, it brings yeah. it out. Yeah. So Natalie, we're going into the new year. Um, perhaps what's one thing from today, may one takeaway that you would offer the listeners to bear in mind or, you know, to, to prepare themselves for 2024? I would say, by all means, set the big goals. Like, go wild, mm-hmm. you know. If you're going to yeah, do it, you're going to do it. Show for the do it. Yeah. Yeah. That said, I would encourage a couple of things. Number one, first of all, figure out what the goal gives you. So get keep going until you know what emotion it will give you. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you want to lose weight or you want to 
eat more healthily or you want to make a million pounds this year or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's not the goal you want. It's the feeling that the goal will give you. Figure out what that is and build that feeling into your pursuit of the goal. So if I say, you know, weight loss will make me feel more confident. Okay. Well, then I need to start feeling more confident today. And I need to go about my my process of getting myself to the weight I want to be in a way that starting right now builds my confidence and makes me feel confident about myself as I am. Yeah. Because I will make better choices and I will be more consistent if the feeling I'm after is already embedding in the things I'm doing now. Absolutely. So that's the first thing. Also, what you may find, like if I take my business, I very, for the sort of years that I was running myself into the ground, I, my goals were financial. My goals were, you know, client driven. Mm. I have to have this many clients. I have to make this much money. I have to do this many projects about this many things. And then I was like, well, what is the business for? And I thought, what is, a, what is the financial goal for? Mm. Well, because I want freedom and I want ease. I'm like, so I'm creating a stressful life in my pursuit of freedom and ease. Like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay, well, how do I run my business in such a way that I experience freedom and ease? Because I also don't guarantee that I'm going to make it to a line that's somewhere in my 90s or over 100, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, potentially, I mean, I am now as I sit here, I'll be 49 next birthday. I'm eight years older than my dad was when he died. I see. So if I think about it that way, and I think mm. we can half kill ourselves in pursuit of the things we want. Stress is one of the biggest ones as well. Yeah. And, and in doing so, ruin today. Mm. That's so, wonderful, Natalie. It's a lovely way to think about it because we do think that, well, when I'm, you know, when I'm 80, I'll be able to do this. I'll just sit back at that. But we do not know what's around the corner. So why... Why do we put all of this tremendous pressure on ourselves in this present moment? Yeah, exactly. And so that I run my business differently now. I run my business so that I experience freedom and ease today. And I get to have freedom to choose how I spend my time. And I get to enjoy a sense of ease in going about things. Don't get me wrong. There are times when I have to hustle like everybody else. You know, I take on something big. Client wants something done quickly. Or it's like we've got 400 people that we need to train. They're spread out over these places. We have to get it done in this quarter. Yeah. I'm going to work my battles. Yeah. But it's a project-related thing that I will ring fence, deal with, manage myself and my mental health and my physical health within that, Mm -hmm. look out for myself very carefully, and then enjoy the return to ease and freedom that will come straight after. But I don't now continually build a stressful life Mm -hmm. in my pursuit of ease. So that's a balance. Find the balance. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by figure out what it is that the goal will give you. Mm -hmm. The next thing would be set the goal based on who you are, not on who you're going to be. Mm -hmm. Because who you are is the person who's going to make the decision to do it. You You are the person you are. And you're also the person who gets to make the changes. You're both Mm -hmm. of those. Mm -hmm. And so the key is the way you go about doing this needs to be something that who you are can commit to and Mm -hmm. can repeatedly show up for. Uh, 
And so that's all the stuff we've already spoken about, having mm-hmm. your baseline commitment, reducing friction, making it so that you can step in at whatever level is necessary to make your goal happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think focus on folding in decision by decision. That's the, ge- that's the name of the game. Show up Play every right. day in whatever small way you can and yeah. fold in something that takes you in the direction you want to go. Some days you'll fold in some things you don't want as well, just as long as you fold in the things you do alongside. Mm-hmm. And over time, the more you fold in the things you want, just naturally, the less you'll fold in the things you don't. Yes, and it does. It happens naturally then, doesn't it? You know, without even having to put an awful lot of effort into that area, you will be amazed at how easier comes. Yeah. And it reminds me of a visual I've seen quite a lot on social media I think I've even used something similar myself you know it's kind of maybe motivation looks like this or procrastination looks like something like this but you know some days you might be at 80% another day you might be around about 20% another day you might be at 30% bearing that in mind not every day is going to be a hundred percent so if they are on those lower days layer something in but find the balance yes yeah, and and know where you are. Have that have that dialogue with yourself. Not a negative dialogue. This is normal. This is okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But also start I guess start paying attention to your energy levels. Mm-hmm. If you always have so little energy that you can't be bothered to do the things you felt committed to set it as goals, something's off with your energy. Yeah. Absolutely. And that needs addressing. Question it. So, be curious about it. Get to yeah. know yourself. Yes, absolutely. So in the program that I run, we look at neuroscience, nutrition, habits, and healing because mm-hmm. those four pillars ultimately address not just the goals and the behavior, but also the things that have to be in place in order for you to have the mental and physical health necessary as a foundation to have enough energy to do the thing in the first place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's that's it's why really- I think a lot of our resolutions may not work or some of our goals don't work because we don't really do the preparation first. Mm. We just go into it. As you said, as you said earlier, you know, we don't wake up on January the 1st, a completely different person. So there's got to be, if you're going to set a certain goal, there has got to be a certain amount of preparation. And that's with your, you know, that's maybe in four areas of your own self, your physical health, your emotional health, your, you know, your behaviors now, your beliefs. Yeah. So that, you know, that they then can feed into when you prepared them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize though, that like the control room, if your motivation, if you imagine that your motivation is exactly, is within a control room in your brain and there are like a million levers in there. So you go into a new year's resolution with, right, I feel motivated to do it, but you don't realize that it's because in the control room, there's like 50 different levers in there. If you don't know how they work, then when the motivation just switches off, you're like, oh God, I'm just, I'm just not motivated. Mm-hmm. But you have no idea that you can go into the room and press 50 different things or pull 50 different levers and make something different happen. So I think there's an awful lot that people can do and it's beyond the scope of the podcast because we've been yeah. here. Yeah, right. yeah. But, well, that reminds me of a hypnosis, that. Uh, hypnosis um, that I do, you know, the idea of going down in the elevator into your control room. But that is another podcast. <laughs> Maybe come back and talk about the hypnotherapy side because <laughs> yeah. it's a really great visual as well. There's not just one lever. 
you've got lots of resources that you can utilize. But yeah, we'll, we'll be here. Yeah. Till next, till 2024, we carry on. So Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today. Have a wonderful new year. Please keep in touch. For everyone out there who's listening to the podcast, all of your details and where we can get hold of you will be in the show notes. So be prepared, Natalie. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too. Thank you very much. Here's to 2024. And who Great. knows what it may bring. Oh yeah, who knows? And that's a wrap for this episode of Bouncing Back Stronger. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to help you bounce back stronger in your own life. I'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to share your thoughts, insights, or personal stories of resilience by reaching out to me via email or my social media channels in the show notes. I'll leave you with this. Resilience is a journey, and we're in this together. Farewell for now, Bouncer Backers. And I look forward to seeing you all next week for more like this.